Hey, we're live. Sorry, had some issues uh, connecting and recording here, folks, but welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews. This is season three, episode 46. We've taken a little bit of a break here um, just in the off season, some international matches going on and obviously transfer news. So um, spreading things out, going every two to three weeks. So we're back this week with some transfer information. Um, just want to talk about a few different transfers and some of the drama going on right now. But um, tonight I am drinking a Haze of the Lord New England IPA from a Component Brewing Company. It's a seven percenter. Um, pretty good. Uh, delightfully hazy New England IPA. This beer is dry hops with mosaic citrus and Eldorado hops with a touch of lactose for a velvety smooth finish. Um, it is velvety and it has been a really enjoyable beer to drink the last few days. It's pretty cold here. Um, they're pretty, pretty hot here and it has cooled me down uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So with me as always, Tobes, how are you? What you sipping on? Kig's doing great, everyone. Uh, I have a Phase 3 Brewing Company. Uh, honestly, when I found the beer, it was a four-pack Tallboy cans. I think it was $16 for the four-pack. That's kind of steep for a four-pack, in my opinion, but I went with it anyways. Um, it is a DDH House Plants. It's a dry-hopped, double dry-hopped, hazy double India Pale Ale. Uh, three different kinds of hops in it it's 8.1 percent abv um why i got it is because it had a bunch of like succulents and plants uh like kind of hanging off of the actual uh imaging of it so i like the marketing so yeah i went with it uh super hazy super juicy and it smells it's it smells like 60 dollar bag of weed it's very dank smelling uh, to the point where it's kind of <laughs> overpowering honestly yeah but, but it's uh, pretty good, honestly. Can't, that 8.1% going to give you a little heady buzz? I think it will. That's what it's not. 8.5 was the limit that we set a couple weeks ago. But uh, 8.1 is just right, I think, especially with no work tomorrow. It's July 3rd. Uh, happy July 4th, everyone listening. Um, yeah, transfers. Uh, I think we'll maybe take a week off. And then uh, I think Women's World Cup starts in, what, just over two weeks. And we'll probably go heavy on that, won't we? July 20th. Yeah, I would say so. I definitely yeah. think we should. Um, so yeah, just over two weeks until that kicks off. Um, and yeah, yeah, I know you had a little bit more structured of a layout of transfers and, you know, with the Ju July 4th tomorrow, do you want to start with the USMNT related transfers? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, so lots of rumors, um, not a whole lot being done so far. Uh, but the USMNT had two different tournaments that they were in. They're currently in the Gold Cup, um, which is honestly, it's kind of their B and C team players. And their A team played, uh, what, two weeks ago, I want to say, where they uh, dismantled Mexico and then also beat Canada as well. Um, <clears throat> so there was no Jesus Ferreira doing back-to-back -back caddies to bum slay like he has been in this tournament currently. Um, but what we got going with the USMNT is uh, Weston McKinney, Jedi Robinson, Serginio Des, Zach Steffen, and Tyler Adams all being linked to moves right now. Um, but nothing concrete. It's all just kind of hearsay. Uh, things that we do know, Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic both have agreements, but it has not been uh, club to club agreed upon. Uh, so nothing cement yet, and that's with AC Milan. Um, I personally would love to see Yunus Musa go there. Uh, Christian Pulisic, I, honestly, I don't. Um, 
but I don't know where else he would go. I think I, I do think uh, Syria would be good for him. Um, he I guess canceled on Lyon, uh, so he he decided not to go into Ligue 1. Um And apparently, uh, Lyon I think offered almost double of what AC Milan was offering. If I oh. if I'm up to date here, yeah, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. But uh, <laughs> but right, evident- right. but evidently, um, but if from Christian Pulisic's perspective, I, I do think France is quite a step back. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't even know if I put Fran- France's league in the top five right now. I would probably put like you know like Belgium or one of the other leagues like that, maybe even ahead of them. There's not much going on besides PSG and Marseille when it comes to that. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Brendan Aronson is going to be going on loan from Leeds to Union Berlin. I think that's great for him. He just needs playing time at, at all costs at this point. And uh, are the biggest one so far, Timothy Weah going uh, Juventus. Uh, it's a done yeah. deal, and I think it's a five-year deal from what I uh, remember reading. And that's a huge uh, huge signing for him, leaving France like we were just saying and uh, going to Syria. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like I like the move to Serie A, just one biased as a Serie A fan, but also I just think it's a, a nice mix for USMNC players. You know, we've seen a huge – kind of um uh I don't, I don't even know how to describe it kind of a, a, a genesis of usmnt players in bundesliga mm-hmm. and that's a you know a little bit more physical fast-paced league and i think Serie A is a really nice balance of that physicality and that skill where i think they would struggle maybe in la liga um and i think Serie A is kind of the next best step for them from the premier league Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the move back to Bundesliga for Brendan Aronson, but I, I love the the move for Wea to Juventus. I think he'll be a good piece for them. I think he'll fit in well there. And he, um, he plays opposite of uh, Chiesa as well, so yeah, I think yeah. that would be good. I, I saw some stat besides the three center back positions and maybe the holding midfielder position. He had percentage time played Timothy Wea at every other position. He was kind of like a jack of all trades. He played mm-hmm. up top. He played on both wings. He played at both uh, left and right back. Like he he can kind of play anywhere. He's very quick. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't wait to see what Juve will do with him uh, on the right side, especially. Yeah, along with that, I I actually kind of like the Pulisic move to AC Milan because they've got Leao on the left. Um, I think they still got to figure out exactly what they're going to do with their striker, but I think Pulisic could go in and get some serious minutes at right wing. And I think that he would fit in well with them too, um, especially if they sort out their midfield, which it seems like with that Tonali money, they're working to sort that out and bring mm-hmm. in some players, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I think I think that could be a good move for him. Could Pulisic do a 10? Um, I, don't, I don't trust that. I don't think he could. I don't think he could in Italy either where the 10 has been a, a position of – huge emphasis and you look at some of the famous tens in Serie A I mean maybe he could go in and do a job but I don't think he would be like a sensational 10 like you've seen historically in Serie A when you're looking at I mean that's that's huge shoes to fill um just looking at some of the players AC Milan have had some of the players some of the bigger clubs there in Serie A have had I mean you look at like a Wesley Snyder Inter back in the day you look at uh Francesco Totti at Roma um uh, Alessandro Del Piero at Juventus. Like, I, I don't know that he's a, a number 10 in that sense. And Italian football is very structured in that, like, 
numerical position sense um, where an eight's going to be an eight. You've got like a, a 21 or a six, you know, playing that deep lying. And then you've got a 10 being a true 10. I don't, I don't think Pulisic is that type of player. I think he's more of a winger. Give me the ball in space on the outside. And I'm going to try and cause some havoc, which again, I think if AC Milan gets a, I think if they figure out that number nine, it could be a really nice fit. Something that has gone not spoke or something that hasn't been said this entire time is that uh, Olivia Giroud is still at AC Milan. And I don't think Pulisic has ever looked as good as when he was with Olivier Giroud. And I'm not talking on the field. I'm talking off the field. The kid had the best hair. His It was always pristine. His beard looked good. It was nice and trimmed. And, uh, yeah, he was in GQ, you know, modeling. I think he's got all that going if he goes to AC Milan. So maybe you just talked me into that whole thing. So I'm I'm totally on board. Let's get him and Yunus Musa to AC Milan <laughs> as soon as possible. I need him focused on the pitch, not doing <laughs> GQ or Gucci or – or whatever else photo shoots. But yeah, no, I, I do think it would be a pretty nice fit again, especially if they figure out the midfield, we'll get into that further. I'll let you continue on your list. I don't know if you've got any more USMNT or if you want to move on. To- that That's it. I'm going to go non premier league. Uh, so these are all players that have either left the premier league or they're signing with some of the other bigger clubs outside. Uh, we have Chelsea's Koulibaly uh, center back going to Saudi's Al-Hilal. Uh, Eduardo Mendy, another Chelsea player, goalkeeper, going to Saudi's Al-Hali. And Rubis Loftin-Cheek, another Chelsea player, going to AC Milan. We did not mention that earlier. That's, I think, a great move for him. Uh, N'Golo Kanti, Chelsea player, going to Saudi's uh, Al-Etihad. And then uh, a pretty large one, Elkai Gundawine, leaving Manchester City and going to Barca. Uh, Ruben Neves, leaving Wolves and going to Saudi's Al-Hilal. And then uh, Nabi Keita is uh, leaving Liverpool and going to Werder Brennan. Uh, two almost signings that I have that kind of wrap up this whole non-Premier League group. Uh, Kim and Jay, uh, by almost I mean that their personal agreement's in place, but they have not actually got club-to-club uh, agreements. Uh, and that's Kim and Jay, which I guess he has a like a two-week group during the next two weeks that he can uh, leave Napoli. And uh, it's looking like Bayern Munich is going to be the ones to sign him over his rumored Manchester United and other teams as well. And then the other big one is uh, Granit Xhaka leaving Arsenal going to uh, Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. Yep. A couple others that I had. Uh, Brozovic going to Al Nassar in the uh, Saudi Pro League from Inter. Um, and then I've got... Let's see here. I'm going through my list. Sergio Busquets, Inter-Miami from Barcelona. Um, Roberto Firmino, Al-Ali from Liverpool. And then Santiago Mourinho, um, young 21-year-old center back, Uruguayan center back, going to Atletico from Racing Montevideo. Um, So those are some big ones. A couple of rumors outside of the Prem. Uh, Sergio Ramos has been linked subtly to inter miami um that would be like, amazing right yeah that would be wild uh seeing that dude in mls would be nice more, more tattooed thighs all day <laughs> every day and then uh jota from celtic potentially going to al Idihad in um saudi pro league as well so he was actually being linked to uh tottenham for a little while with uh the yeah. celtic skipper going uh coming over here so yeah so switching to Premier League, I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't pick a lot of them. I just picked all the sexy ones. Uh, but there's a pretty big group of them. 
Uh, Yuri Tillemans, Leicester to Aston Villa. Kai Havertz, Chelsea to Arsenal. Uh, that just blows my mind. Chelsea and Arsenal do as much business as they do. Uh, Mohamed Dahoud, Dortmund to Brighton. Uh, Joao Pedro, Watford to Brighton. And James Milner, I guess he wants to act younger, so he's going to go by Jamie Milner from here on out, and that is uh, Liverpool to Brighton. Uh, that is me making that up. He would never say that. But uh, <laughs> uh, Christopher and Cuckoo from uh, Leipzig to Chelsea. Alexis McAllister, that is official. Last time we were on, it was not official. So Alexis McAllister, Brighton to Liverpool. Uh, Mateo Kovacic, Chelsea to City. Sandro Tonali, Milan to Newcastle. Uh, Guillermo Vicero, Empoli to Tati. I'm going to have to get one that right. I'm going to have to get that right uh, for Tottenham. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the stud going forward. He's also looking like he's going to be uh, Italy's top top goaltender moving forward as well, or one of their top ones. Um, besides that, we have my best signing, James Madison, Leicester to Tottenham. Uh, Kim Jisoo from K-Leagues, Sangnam to Brentford. And then uh, Nicholas Jackson, Villarreal to Chelsea. Harry Winks, Tottenham to Leicester. Connor Cody, Wolves to Leicester. I'm going to butcher this one. Dominic Zabosley. Close enough. Sobosly is how I've heard it. Sobosly. Leipzig to Liverpool. And then Bart Verbrungen, Anderlich to Brighton. And I put that one in there just because it was a higher value price tag. And uh, Brighton always gets these young players. Brighton's just doing good business. That's I, I almost interrupted you. I mean, it, they, they, they just seem to just recycle players and build them up and make them better and, and worth so much more value. And uh, I just think they do really, really good business. I feel like them and I'm forgetting the Belgian club that their owner also owns, but I would just expect, I mean, they were a semifinalist in Europa this year and I would just expect to see more and more from them as well. Mm-hmm. So I have some almost. Personal agreements in place, club to club, not agree upon yet. Uh, pretty much everyone Manchester United is linked to is currently in this situation. Uh, biggest ones being Mason Mount. I guess that's almost a done deal. And then uh, Sofian Amrabat, which you guys might have remembered him. He was from uh, yeah, Morocco, uh, Fiorentina as well. Yes. Yep. So, which the, did you see those dope kits that I sent the picture of? Amazing. Yeah, we're going to do yeah. a, we got to do a kit post soon because there have been some really nice ones released. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole, but there's so many of these like smaller companies making these awesome kit ideas. And yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Adidas and Nike are doing like the exact same things for every kit that they make. Yeah. It looks like shit. Every time they look, they look like training shirts, like literally something that you, you would see a David Moist wearing on the sideline, not Mm -hmm. something you'd want your actual club to be wearing. Yeah. Uh, Moving forward, Declan Rice to Arsenal. And then Yasko Vardiol, I can never pronunciate his name correctly, but RB Leipzig to Manchester City. Uh, Mickey Van de Ven, Wolfsburg to Tottenham. Romeo Lavia, Southampton to Liverpool. And then is that a done deal? Because I've only seen rumors. Oh, uh, you're doing rumors. You're doing this rumors. Is, I'm sorry. These yeah. are all rumors, and these yeah. are all concrete concrete links uh, yeah. with like actual dollar amounts as well. Right. And then my last one is. Uh, uh, Urian Timber, uh, and that's Ajax to Arsenal. Yeah. 
I think Arsenal have had a really nice window, assuming that Timber and and Declan Rice. It seems like they're they're done deals. Um, from what I've seen about Rice, it, it sounds like it's a for sure thing. Um, I think Kai Havertz was a good pickup because of his um, versatility, and he's yeah, played so many positions for Chelsea. That's and, I was gonna say. Where does he even play on the left mid? I think he can play anywhere basically anywhere in the midfield, the attacking mid. And I think he can play on either wing. I think he can pop in as a nine or a false nine. I think that Kai Havertz, I saw a lot of Chelsea supporter slander on him over the last year to year and a half about his inconsistency, et cetera, et cetera, um, on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, this dude plays a different position every game in a different role. And has every single player around him also moving positions and changing their roles and f- three, four different managers in the two and a half, three years that he's been there. And he's, you know, 23 years old. It's, it's like, I don't really know what you expect from this guy and how much more you expect from him. I've, I personally have been really impressed with Kai Havertz and I've been a huge believer in him since the Leverkusen days. And um, for Arsenal, it feels like a little bit of a depth pickup. And my only hope is that he doesn't get caught in a similar situation to Chelsea where he's just used sparingly and he's used in multiple different roles where he doesn't really get his feet underneath him. That's my biggest concern with him. But, I mean, before we signed Zobislai, however the fuck, every time I say it, it feels wrong or different. Um, But if we wouldn't have signed him, Kai Havertz is a player I would have been totally happy picking up for our midfield. Um, mm-hmm. I think his natural position is a 10, and he's had to play a 9 or a winger or occasionally be like a 10 or an 8 for Chelsea. And I just don't think that that's done him any favors in supporters' eyes over there. Um, in the last year and a half, that has been a super critical time and tough time for Chelsea supporters. And I, I just feel like he's gotten kind of a bad rep because of the state of the club. Um, whereas I, I, he's still a player that I very much rate. Yeah. Did you think it was hilarious that Manchester City did what they always do, and that's just throw a massive amount of money at a player that's already being bid oh, yeah. from another team just to raise the bid? Like they did – I think they yeah. did that with uh, Bruno Fernandez with Manchester United, I want to say, a few years ago, where like Manchester United had to pay like another like $18 million just to – or 18 million pounds or whatever just, yeah. to, just to do that. I, I, it's, it's amazing because City has the money just to throw around. Like yeah, that. they're like, but, fuck it. Whatever. If we sign him, whatever. We'll just deal with it. They're like, yeah, we'll just put John Stones back to where he was <laughs> meant to be, which is on the, <laughs> the back line. Yeah, I and that's an interesting thing too where, you know, we've still got a lot to talk about in this episode with transfers, but I just think the transfer market in general – is a really, really interesting thing right now. And we alluded to this seven months ago, going into the World Cup, eight months ago now, um, where we were like, this winter transfer window following the World Cup, so you know, January 2023, is going to be a really monumental transfer window to have a World Cup in the winter, leading up to a winter transfer window. And I think that Enzo Fernandez going for as much money as he did to Chelsea... I think that that skewed a lot of prices. And then on top of that, you have PIF coming in and just splashing money around um, with Newcastle and, and, you know, Man City's owners splashing money around and 
um, again, PIF with the Saudi Pro League, just just throwing crazy money around. I feel like it has increased players' value to an obscene level where, um, like, I was really happy with the Sizobasalai signing. That's a player that I've kind of had my eye on for two or three years um, from when he went to Salzburg to Leipzig. I think he's a really good player. 22 years old, had a really serious injury 2020 to 2021 when he made that transfer from Red Bull Salzburg to Leipzig. And it's like, okay, um, you know, he's a good player with a ton of potential, but I feel like we paid a pretty good amount of money for him. I feel like Declan Rice is a very good player who's been hyped up for two or three years um, as one of the better midfielders in Europe. But I think he's got a little bit of that British tax on him as well, where he's going to be a little bit more expensive being an England player. And I just feel like 100 mil plus 5 mil in add-ons or more is a pretty steep amount of money for him. And, you know, you see players like Mount and Havertz and a lot of these guys just going for a ton of money. And it's like, these are good players with a lot of upside, but it's just, it's, it's really obscene money to throw around for some players who, even Havertz, who I said, I, I totally see being a player moving forward like people are throwing around crazy money for that type of player. And it's, it's just wild to me. I feel like the world cup post world cup transfer window, the January window really skewed a lot of players value. And what's crazy is like, I mean, I know there's recruiting there definitely is, and there's a ton of that going on, but at the same time, there's players from Fenerbach and, AZ Alkbar or whatever that uh, one of the other yeah. teams is. It's like some of those, Eredivisie, yeah. yeah, some of those medium teams that are selling these players for 15 to 22 million. And they've maybe performed high at that cl- current club for one to two years. And that's it. And it's like, I mean, I, that's just so much money to be doing that when like a Granite Xhaka is like clinic proven it you know granted he's a psycho and i hate him but (laughs) he's proven it and he's not even going for that much money you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's it's really weird and i think i think i mean yes you always want younger talent but at the same time i think that there is a lot of money being thrown at these younger players that haven't necessarily proven it uh at the highest levels you know and that's what that's why i think there is gonna there's gonna come a time when i think one or two teams is just gonna suffer and like kind of like chelsea did last year like chelsea Threw so much money at their roster and they just never gelled properly. And occasionally you don't need talent. You need glue guys. You know, you need yep. a James Milner, someone like that to come in and kind of boss the area. And that's why you were talking, we were talking uh, pre pod and like kind of what we wanted to talk about. Some of the things that Connor Cody wolves to Lester, I think is huge because Lester has been gutted, absolutely gutted. And their roster is going to continue to be gutted they can't afford all their players currently being in the championship and to have Connor Cody come in. I think it was, I want to say it was like seven mil is all it was for him. Dude has captained England. Yes. He's on the back end of his career. He will get in the ears of everyone and he will bring structure to that team. So something like that, I think is huge for a team that just dropped to the championship and not always, but there is occasional time where the, a team like that drops and they're they're good, but they're not great. You know, they they're a lot of the players aren't ready for the fight that is the championship where you're playing more, you're playing more games, and then you have a lot more going on within your club and within uh 
just the pressure of it. And Connor Coney, I don't even know what he's done in the championship, but I just know like his leadership skills, I think would be huge for that. And same with Harry Winks, like Harry Winks hasn't done anything for four years since becoming like a, arguably one of England's top up and coming young players. And he didn't wet the bed at Tottenham, but he, he got hurt and then he got out of place with some of the coaching. And then he went to Serie A, had an okay season with, I think, Sassuolo, I want to say, or Sampdoria, one of the two. And then he's back. And I I love that signing because it's a prove-it signing. And I think he's going to do really well with Leicester, especially with Yuri Tillemans and James Madison leaving. Give him that, like, six, that number six spot, something like that, and allow him to kind of work in the middle and be – more on the front foot. I think that's great for them. And so I really like what Lester's been doing kind of behind the scenes with some of the smaller signings. Um, but it's just, there's, there's no, there's no uh, like benchmark to how much players should cost. And it's just getting out of hand with all the money being thrown. And I, I mean, I really don't know how they do it. It's like Sevilla right now. Sevilla is so far in debt. The They're pretty much saying that every player is for sale, like on their roster. And, like, I know in the Premier League there's a lot more money going around, but some of these other leagues that don't have necessarily the streaming capabilities worldwide, you know, it's it's going to be scary, I think, in two or three years, some of these middle-of-the-pack teams and not necessarily the Premier League, but the other leagues. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes that gap between those who have money and those who are kind of there um it just widens that gap and it 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 makes things really difficult to to keep an even playing field i mean i think chelsea was the perfect example that you threw out where they just went and snatched up every player that they could last and it's like that doesn't work and it didn't work for chelsea who finished 11th in the premier league and not only is it not working for them but it's keeping other teams from signing players who could mesh for them so one you're deterring other teams in the league from growing and from getting better, which I guess, you know, from Chelsea's standpoint is one win from their terrible premier league season last year, but it's, it's taking opportunity away from other clubs as somebody who loves the sport and, and, you know, going from a neutral perspective wants to see it be competitive. And you're also taking away opportunity from those players who are playing out of position or are sitting behind two other superstars worth, you know, 75 mil or 80 mil that Chelsea paid for them in the depth chart where it's like, these guys can be getting actual minutes in the prime of their career elsewhere. And it's just a, it it feels like a disservice and it's unfortunate for the game as a whole. Um, it, It feels like the last, this past transfer window, this summer transfer window, football has always been a sport that is run by money, but this summer window feels like the soul has really been sucked out of the sport um, by big money owners. And a lot of that has to do, of course, with PIF. Um, But I mean, you see it as well with Chelsea, Todd Bully, American ownership. Um, You see it with Jerry Cardinale, AC Milan, American ownership. Um, you know, it's across the board. It's not just PIF. They're obviously the easy target, but the soul of the beautiful game seems to be getting sucked out of it. Um, and Sandro Tonali is one that we can get into so later. That's, that, that's just a heartbreaking, truly like heartbreaking situation. So I, I know you're going to hate hearing this. I actually 
enjoyed Newcastle's signings. I enjoyed Newcastle watching them. They were very aesthetically pleasing on the eye last season. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of their players, love Eddie Howe. Uh, I like the signings they've made so far this year. I had a, a family member uh, this weekend for a 4th of July grill out that we had, which, by the way, I killed it on the grill. Not going to lie. I uh, made a couple different kinds of kebabs. Perfect. Uh, anyways, um, so he's getting into, uh, into football. He's so far following the USMNT, uh, especially after the World Cup. That's what kind of got him into it, which I'm like, dude, the World Cup's the best time to get into soccer. Like, if there's ever a time, World Cup, get into it, and then dabble from there. And so his roommate is a City fan. Has been, he said, for a long time. I'm like, well, probably since (laughs) since Kun Aguero. (laughs) Since since Sergio did that. Uh, But... He's a city fan and he doesn't want to be a city fan or his roommate's a city fan. He doesn't want to be a city fan. He's like, I don't know what team to really follow. I'm like, well, I could tell you this right now. Do not be a Tottenham supporter right now. <laughs> you will, you will want to, you'll want to puke on yourself or vomit on yourself. Like we've gone over this <laughs> numerous times. And so, so I'm like, don't do it. Uh, let's figure something else out. And he threw out Newcastle and I'm like, well, if you want that blood money, go for it. But then at the, in the back of my head, I'm like, everywhere's blood money everywhere's blood money not only that and i feel like they're at least ran properly right yeah no i'll agree with that like tonali hurt but tonali didn't hurt because newcastle went after him that's good business on newcastle yeah you know like you can it sounds like it's getting even better business because it sounds like the numbers that were originally reported are way more than what they currently actually were given like the numbers were a little bit higher and out of proportion so it's even better business for Newcastle, which is unfortunate for AC Milan. Yeah, but um, on on the same note, there, uh, m- my frustration again is not with Newcastle. That's good business going after a player that I adore and completely believe in, one of my top rated favorite midfielders in the world right now. My frustration is with Jerry Cardinale and AC Milan and the way that they've run things, getting rid of Paolo Maldini, a bandiera, a club legend, a guy who did really good business for them as director, brought in Leao cheap, brought in Tonali cheaper than he should have been, brought in a lot of good players. Yeah, they're goal, their goaltender as well. Yeah. Yeah. And getting rid of him and then – from what we've heard, and there hasn't been a ton of information, Sandro Tonali just posted on Instagram today for the first time in a month, exactly a month. So while all this was going on, complete silence from him. Um, and he just you know, made a post saying, I, I hope it's not goodbye. I hope it's see you later, blah, blah, blah. And it, from what it sounds like, they kind of forced him out. And I get that business is business, but this is a dude who has made it very apparent he wants to be the club captain. He wants to spend the rest of his career there. The supporters want him to spend the rest of his career there. Um, he, and he, I mean, he also came up. He came up from there. I don't know. I don't know if he was. He was born. a supporter. He was a supporter there. That's he was what I'm born saying, yeah. outside. Uh, I think in Lodi. Um, came up through Brescia, and then uh, he's always been a Milanisti though for like his entire life since he was a little kid. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there were reports that he like broke down in tears when they told him that they were transferring him. And it's just, that sucks. That feels like the soul being sucked out of the sport and out of the club. And again, it sounds like they're doing decent business to, to restock their midfield. So I get it. You know, it is a business at the end of the day. It's just a really 
cruel reality to face when you see it happen, especially with a player like that who obviously doesn't want to go. None of the supporters want him to go. I mean, you could have interviewed 30,000 Rossoneri and, and none of them would have said that they want to see Sandro Tonali go. You could have said 100 million I, and, I don't and even, they wouldn't have wanted him to I go. I don't even think it's just everyone from – uh, Milan. I think it's everyone in Italy. I mean, he's right, an Italian yeah. Italian talent. Like you want to yeah. keep an Italian talent in Italy. Yeah. So, so that hurt. Um, and again, I can't blame Newcastle at, at all for that. Um, that's good business on them. And I hope I hope he absolutely kills it in Newcastle. I I love that. I love that player. That's my golden boy. But uh, um, it just hurt. You know, it was a it was kind of a, a cruel and harsh reality check of like these dudes are just cash cows and it's as simple as that no matter how much you think that this guy's going to be a club icon and a staple forever until he retires at 40 years old in italian fashion like he's not he's not so so what are you gonna do personally keegan if the first three weeks of the prem you know four games into the season and tonali has barely played 40 minutes on average and Longstaff's ass is out there just running, <laughs> running circles. <laughs> if they're going to play anybody over him, I need it to be Matty Longstaff. Because uh, <laughs> he's going to punch Tonali in, in the nose, and, and uh, Tonali's going to be seeing stars for like three that's, weeks straight. It's, it's funny you bring all this up because AC Milan, Tonali's never been, in my opinion, he's never been their best player. Like, I don't think he's been their best player, but he's he's it's it's a heart, it's a passion thing, and that that that's that's true. I think you need that player. I think that's essential everywhere. You know, with James Miller, Henderson, Jordan Henderson hasn't been uh, a game changer from a technical standpoint or what he can do on the pitch in years, but the passion and the the fire that he brings does bring an element to the game. And I think more than anywhere else in the world, England, France, Spain, anywhere, I think that is prioritized in Italy more than anywhere in the world. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it, it just hurt. I mean, it, it truly hurt. I was like, I was sick. I was a little thrown off when all of that was going down and it was just like, I just didn't feel right about it. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was a lot when, so, when that was going down. So can I segue to, uh, or do you have any, before we get going, do you have any other, uh, signings that you have or any other rumors that you wanted to throw out there real quickly? I don't think so. I think you covered all of them. My, my next question to you, Keegan, I'm going to throw out three different carry or three different people. If there's anyone else and I'm leaving off this list, go ahead and throw it out there. So who is, the best midfield signing, not just the best player, but who is the best midfield signing that would fit the current needs of the team. I'm throwing out my Madison, James Madison of uh, Tottenham, uh, Tonali of Newcastle, and then uh, McAllister of Liverpool. Who do you think of those three? Who do you think uh, currently before the season even started, what team has won the signing? It's a really, really good question. Um, I originally, uh, being a homer here, I, I'm kind of leaning McAllister, but now that we've signed Sezobislai, um, I'm not sure he's quite as essential as Tonali 
or Madison. I'm leaning towards Madison because we've, we've spoke now for two years on the podcast about how badly you guys need a creative midfielder. Mm-hmm. And I think in Madison has had Madison has been at the center of that conversation since, for two since years. Christian Erickson left. Yeah. And that was and, four, four or five years ago. And we've thrown ago. out some other names, but Madison has always been central to that conversation. He's been the number one guy on your wish list. And um, I think it's a really good pickup. And I think it's a good time in his career too, where he's been through some ups and downs. He's had some injuries. He's had a little bit of, you know, success at Leicester winning the FA cup. And he's had some really down years where they just got relegated. So I think he's been through some shit. Um, he's always been a little bit of that, you know, pretty boy Say it, kind my, of sexy the, player. The wife loves him. Oh good yeah. Look, good yeah. looking dude. Absolutely. And he's and, he's, and 24. Yeah. He's always been that sexier kind of player. Um, immense amount of talent. And now that he's been through a little bit, I think that that's only going to be better going to Tottenham where uh, he's going to go through some more shit, but he's also going to know how to get through that and maneuver through that. So I think that was really, really good business by you guys. I think a lot of how your season shapes up is whether or not Kane stays, which I don't expect him to. No, I I think he's going to be gone this week. And that's kind of, you were talking all of this about Tonali and that's the exact same way. I think everyone's going to feel about Harry Kane leaving. Boyhood club. But the thing is with Kane that's different is Tonali was completely unexpected. Kane, it's been like, okay, like yeah, this dude has two, given two, us two years in the He has given pool. us everything. He's given us everything. It's only a matter of time if the club direction doesn't change. Whereas with AC Milan, it was like Tonali, this club could get fucking relegated this year, and it feels like Tonali would stay. And then all of a sudden, Maldini gets the rug pulled out from under him. And then two weeks later, Tonali's gone. Um, So I think he was much more abrupt than Kane. I get what you're saying, but I think he was much more abrupt. So um, I think it's a matter – I think Madison's a great pickup. I think there's work to be done when Kane does leave where it's like, okay, how are we going to restock? You got Richarlison. Who else are you going to bring in? And how are you going to support that huge signing of Madison? So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm. I thought I, I, I really like McAllister. I thought he, I, I thought he was the engine for Brighton. Everyone liked mm-hmm. Casado a lot. I think McAllister was the creative, and I think you're missing that. With that being said, I think you're two years away from Harvey Barnes being that McAllister. Like yeah. he looks like it. He looks like the real deal, and uh, I think he's just too young, doesn't have enough experience. That's so maybe, tough it's thing. Good. maybe it's good to have that. You know, That's the tough thing about being, I mean, a, a good problem to have, but that's the tough thing about being a club who has seen a lot of success recently is, yeah, Harvey Barnes can be that guy, and I, I, I absolutely think he can be, but there is no two years to, to wait no, around he, for. No, he was given – he was given ample opportunities this season too. And, and I, I still think he will, you know, he's got a lot of growth, but just yeah. as a club, when you're Liverpool and you've seen the success that you have over the last five years, there is no time to wait for him to mature into that and to have two bad years. Um, you got to plug that hole now. And then, you know, maybe McAllister's kind of fallen off in two years and Harvey is that guy who's, uh, who's starting and maybe McAllister comes off the bench or he goes elsewhere. Um, I also think 
Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I know we're going to highlight. No, go a few ahead. Of just, these just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Transfers that we like, but um, I think Sasalbislai is a really good pickup. Um, very creative. I like I said, I was really high on him when he moved from, from Salzburg to Leipzig. He had a pretty long term injury when he first made the move, um, but he's the type of guy who can play that number ten role. And um, I thought it was funny in some of the graphics he was wearing like the number eight. And I think these were just graphics that were made. I don't think they were actual photo shoots. I don't know what number they're going to wear, but he was wearing the number eight and McAllister was wearing the 10. I expect that to be opposite in their roles. I expect Zizobazlai to play the 10 and McAllister to play more of an eight mm -hmm. um, because I think Zizobazlai is, is a little bit more of a, a forward type of player whereas McAllister is a little bit more of a game manager um but I mean he's 22 years old he's already the captain of Hungary really skillful good work rate more attacking piece alongside McAllister like I said he, he will be a little Keeks, bit more of a game manager are they both day one starters day one uh to me absolutely and and that's going to be really tough um for Klopp to manage with Henderson and I think that's going to show have to require some maturity from Henderson, which I think he has. Um, I think it's going to require him to push his ego to the side a little bit as well, um, which I think he's capable of. And I think he's a selfless, really selfless leader where he, he can do that. But yeah, absolutely. If I'm, if I'm going out um, day one, I'm having those two in the midfield with either Fabinho or um, actually as long as he's fit, Basetich. I think could be that next guy that takes on that six, that number six role. Hmm. Um, unless they sign, you know, uh, Lavia or uh, some other midfielder who can play a six, but um, or, or potentially Tiago. Um, they've got options there, but I think that those two should be the staples. I think they should be the two. If you're going to go out and spend money on them, two players in their prime uh, or Sazobazlai kind of going into his prime, I think you need to use them. And I think supporters will be really upset if they don't use them. So I think they're really good pickups. Um, so Sobazlai, again, 22, captain of Hungary, reminds me a little bit of an Odegaard. Reminds me a little bit of Odegaard, just age, maturity, skill level, um, upside and potential. Odegaard has, he, he went into Arsenal and really made that his own and took on that role and ex exceeded expectations, in my opinion. And so I think Sazoba's like could do that. It's just a matter of whether or not he does and whether or not he's given that trust to be like, hey, you're, you're going to be our 10. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. But Any, uh, any uh, good-looking picks that you want to talk about? Any guys that are like good, like the hot, the hot boys you want to talk about? We already talked about James Madison. I don't know if there's anyone else on the list or any, well, any young talent you want I to mean, talk about. So is a, 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 a hot boy for sure. Uh, there was a video released earlier, uh, Federico Manasse of, he works for uh, La Gazeta. Great follow on Twitter if you don't follow him. Um, but he reposted his like first interview with Liverpool and they're asking him questions and it's like, what's your favorite sport outside of football? And he just like doesn't have an answer. They're like, what's your favorite movie? And he names a TV show and like a bunch of questions like that, where his answers are just like, damn, this dude might be dumb as fuck, but he's a footballer uh, <laughs> and, and he can play. 
and I was like, we just signed Jack Graylish 2.0. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. hand hand this dude a map and he's not gonna know that he's looking at the planet he lives on. And I was like, I don't give a fuck as long as he's got the ball at his feet and he can just do in the moment. And, and that just kind of cracked me up. And give him a coach that will cook because I mean, Graylish is gone on record. Like he, you know, Pep stuck by him and like yeah. he loves he loves Pep. He loves being coached by Pep now. He trusted and, it. He trusted yeah, it. Yeah, and you don't you. You know, that, that takes a lot. So, yeah, that's funny yeah. that you said that. You don't have to be super, super smart when you're getting guidance like that, like yeah. a Pep gives you or even a Klopp gives you. What, and... what was the TV show he said? Hopefully Friends. I, Please tell I, me no, Friends. <laughs> no, it wasn't Friends. <laughs> it was it was some other shit that I'd never heard of. But, uh, yeah, um, him. Uh, there are a couple, like, younger players that are coming from, you know, areas that My, these may not be on the radar for everybody, but potential, like, there's room for if they reach their potential could be, like, those signings where it's like, holy shit, where did this come from? And all of a sudden, this dude's got 12 goals and 20 matches, and you're like, oh, fuck, I need to watch this guy every week. Um, or they're pulling strings in the midfield. So the first one that stood out to me is just an interesting potential rumor here is Rasmus Holyund. Um, he's rumored to go to United. He's a forward from uh, Denmark. We've we've actually showcased him on our Twitter account. Follow us on Bruce and Bulters because yeah. we actually did a Hoyland better than Holland yeah. uh, thing because, dude, the kid can cook. Yeah, yeah, he really can. Um, he's at Atlanta now, nine goals in 32 matches last season, 20 years old, started out on the bench January, six months ago, he took over Duvan Zapata's spot, um, for the fast, most part, fast as hell. Yeah. Um, and put in some good performances, strong, good build up, good hold up play, good touch, and just has that strikers like recipe of just popping up in the right spot at the right time running from behind a defender and just throwing a fucking limb out there and just getting a piece on a ball to either set somebody else up or just poke one in. And um, six foot one, uh, not like stocky, but like built, you know, he, he can body somebody up, can win balls in the air. Sound like you're describing me right now. <laughs> he doesn't have the toe ball quite like you, but um, I think he could be a really good pickup for United who need a number nine really bad type of guy that his interplay is pretty decent as well. He can play off Rashi, Bruno, Garnacho, uh, Anthony, good target with the ability to, you know, just play out of the middle a little bit with those guys around him as well. So I think that that would be a really interesting signing where it's not like, oh, they're going to go and sign um, Osiman or they're going to go and sign, you know, a, a, I, a number nine. I would like assume that. he would be about 30 to 40% of the price tag of Osiman right. too. right. Right. Which Osiman is now being linked to PSG, by the way, which is kind of bleh. It sucks. Yeah, so, that really sucks. Weird. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's the type of signing that like jumps off the page to me where it's like Osiman, Osiman, Osiman. They've been linked. They, they're going to make that big like Osiman or Kane signing. Mm-hmm. And if they just picked up this guy where like half the United fans on Twitter are like, who the fuck is Rasmus Holyund? And this dude pops up and scores, you know, 15 goals just- for him next year and is 20 years old where they can re-sign him. And he can be a guy that scores 30 goals in two or three seasons. It's like, man, that's a steal. Like that, yeah. that is a way more intriguing signing to me than a lot of other players available right now. Yeah. The I hate to say this from Arsenal's perspective, the rumor of Timber 
from Ajax to Arsenal, I think that'd be great for him. I think he he could fit in on the right side anywhere, like whether it be right wing back or right. I don't know if he can play center back, but he can definitely play like a right mid defense. He, he could he could definitely play a center back. De- yeah, descending, de- figuring out what they're trying to do. But uh, I actually really liked him, Timber. I always thought he was really good. I want to say he's Dutch, if I remember right. And yeah. so yeah, yep. playing at Ajax, he was awesome. So uh, I I think that'd be a great link. And if you notice where they fell off this year was when Saliba got injured, and that is a guy who could have slid in at center back and filled yeah. his position when they fell off in the Premier League race. So I, I think that's, I think that should be um, choke. Yeah. A little bit of a choke <laughs> uh, going back to that again. But I, I think that Timber would, uh, would be great for them. Uh, so I talked about it earlier. Kim Jisoo, K league player going to Brentford. Um, I, I, I always jock the Korean love. Uh, 18-year-old center back. Uh, it's cliche, but he's being con- he's being compared to Kim Min Jae. He's got very quick feet, strong. He's a tall, lanky person. Uh, and he, I, I, I actually didn't even know who he was at all. But one night I was watching on, I think it was FS2 of all, of all channels. FS2, not FS1, FS2. Uh, they had the FIFA U20 uh tournament on like a month ago and he was the only player on the team or on the pitch that i was like this kid's got it like he's just got it you know there's certain those those tournaments are good but there's certain players from those tournaments that like just outshine everyone and i i'm assuming he made the all 11 team uh he was a stud the game i watched and i'm like dude this guy's gonna go places and then literally two weeks later it was like him, and then there's a kid I want to say from in playing in Spain right now, uh, Macarabi. I want to say in Spain, and uh, he he's also really big up uh, for like the next up and coming like Kim Min Son. Um, but yeah, this kid's only 18 years old, and he's the next like big Korean center back, and he's going to Brentford on I want to say a four or five year deal, and that's huge for him. And so uh, I I'm hoping that he just pans out and is awesome. So. Love a Brentford shout always. Um, there's one other player. I know we mentioned a Dutchman with Timber. Um, Tijani Reinders. Heavy links to AC Milan as well. So like I alluded to earlier, they're at least using that Tonali money and, and reinvesting it rather than just sitting on it. Um, 23 year old. Please spend all of that money, AC yeah, please, Milan. Please, please. Um, 24 year old Dutch midfielder from AZ Alkmaar. You also mentioned them earlier in the pod. Um, in Eredivisie. Um, if I had to come up with like a player comp, it would be sort of like a Yuri Tielemans. Really good body control, not overly quick. He's not gonna like burn by people. Um, but holds up play well, has his head up and on a swivel constantly and can pick out a pass really well. And the main thing I got from just watching highlights from him and stuff, he, he really good decision-making. He knows when to use a teammate and when to go on to goal himself mm-hmm. um, and can just play it in, in every area of the pitch, whether it's his own third, middle of the pitch, or in, in the attacking third. Um, he just seems super composed and, and really intelligent with his, all of his moves. So, um, I think that that's somebody who's, who's a player to keep an eye on for, uh, 
you know, being linked to AC Milan. My last question I have for you, Keeks, is uh, Kai Havertz leaving Chelsea and uh, Christopher and Cuckoo coming in from Leipzig. Uh, do, you, do you think they're going to drop it all, uh, Chelsea and, and talent, with uh, and Cuckoo coming to the Premier League? Absolutely not. He's the answer for them. He's the truth. Yeah, I think so too. And I that's why I'm kind of segueing into our boosters and belters because uh, I, I think Chelsea with under Pochettino is gonna they're gonna have answers. Like yep. there was there was a lot of questions last season. I think everyone's gonna be answered under Poch. I really do. I think yeah. I, I've always been a big fan of Poch, and that's actually my boo is for everyone, especially Tottenham supporters, shitting on Pochettino over his interview that I think went viral today. Um, and just the fact that he was like, over the last 15 years, Chelsea's been the best team in Europe, which they have been a very good team, maybe not the best. But dude just got hired by the team. Of course he's going to talk. As, uh, Say what you says, Poch. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and he probably wanted to go back to Tottenham, and Tottenham didn't want to hire him. Daniel Levy didn't want him. So it's not on him to kiss our our feet, you know? Like, yeah. What's the matter? And so I that's, that's the only thing. Like, that's why – that's why Tottenham's so soft because of fans that once something negative happens to you, you instantly just start berating them. Like that makes no sense in my opinion. You guys parted ways with him. He, unless it's uh, Arsenal, unless it was Arsenal, I would be cool if it was Arsenal, but Chelsea is what it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got nothing but love for Poch. Um, and I'm glad that he's got a job because football's better when he's managing a team. Yeah. And I think that if there's anybody cut up for the job at Chelsea, I think it's him. And um, I agree with you. I, I think that next year they're going to they're gonna sort things out. They've already started unloading players, obviously. Mount, Havertz, Koulibaly. Asapoleta. Um, uh, Asapoleta, uh, yeah. He's leaving. And I think that's huge because he, always, he was always kind of like the leader, but at the same time he was kind of like a Granite Xhaka type leader where he was like a leader, but he's kind of a hothead as well. And I don't know, like – like there's, I, that turns a lot of people off, in my opinion, and I don't know dynamics of the locker room for that team specifically, but I think just getting a breath of fresh air and allowing someone like, like a Reese James or someone like that that's been there for quite a while a, a chance to be more of a leader and step yeah. up. I think that's good for them. Yeah. So, yeah. With that yeah, being I, said, I hope they finish seventh or eighth. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have a good year, though, and mm -hmm. they've got they've certainly got the players for it. It's just sorting them all out. So yeah, um, I mean, my boo was I feel like indirectly already just the way Jerry Cardinale and AC Milan have handled business. Uh, what do you got? Boos, cheers, belters. I don't have anything else really. That was the that boo. boo. Uh, my my cheer is for the expected offside rule change that I guess is going to be going into place. Uh, where the attacking player must be fully ahead of the defender. So how they're going to do it now, whereas before it was like body part here, body part there, it's no longer that way. The last limb of the defender is the, the amount. So if the offensive player is leaning, which most offensive players are always leaning towards goal, if they're leaning the other way, it's fine as long as their whole body is not leaning past the last defensive line so say a guy is taking a step towards the goal but his left leg is dragging behind the last limb of the defender then it's onside 
So that's how they're that's how they're doing it. They changed it all up, and I love it because I, I think don't want it's. This... Go, Go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say I don't want this. I don't want the bullshit where it's like a line here, a line there, and it's like literally looks like the green and blue or the yeah, red and blue lines right. are on top of each other. I don't want that. I want if the defender's there and the offensive guy is being shattered by him, then he's onside, in my opinion. Whether his arms offside or his legs offside or his head's offside, it doesn't matter. He's he's with he's in line with the defender. So as long as he's past it, then it's offside. Easy. I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's a little bit more cut and dry that way. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way attackers play this. Uh, I think it's an advantage, huge advantage to them, obviously. But I think that as soon as that law was passed, I think attackers are going to be training different. I think as soon as week one, you're going to see them playing completely different. The type of forward who gets in behind is just going to be living on the back shoulder of, of a defender, literally right on top of them. And I think we're going to see a lot of cases where there's a little bit of a push on, off, push honest, off of that back. Mm-hmm. And and they're just going to go and, and VAR is now going to have to decide, was that enough of a push off to be a foul on the attacking player? Or was that clean? Dude, teams like, like Liverpool that have these guys who can just run behind are going to be cooking. Like when if you can get Darwin Nunez on the front step, think about it. And think about Richarlison. Richarlison had four goals, three yellow cards taking his shirt off, and all of them got disallowed goals because he was offside. He won't be offside anymore. Like, like take your shirt off, Rich. I just called him Rich for the first time. And another thing, <laughs> uh, James Madison. I want to call him James Mad Dog Madison. So that's something we're gonna start. That we're gonna start pushing on this podcast. That's something. The the eight point one just finally hit right now. <laughs> at 50, 50, 57 minutes in. James Mad Dog Madison. Here it is. Mad Dog twenty twenty. Yeah, he's gonna be. Uh, yeah, no, I I think it's really gonna change things, and it'll be interesting, man. I don't I don't know with VAR. Uh, I think that's kind of the complaint is just the inconsistency yeah. with it where it's like, all right, we're kind of getting you like we're going to bitch and moan about some of these calls, but like we're starting to get used to it. And then they're like, bam, we're going to change up another rule again. And it's like, all right, I guess we'll bitch about this again this year. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think it is more cut and dry. I think it will be um, – very much like taken advantage of and and that'll just lead to some other questions of is that a push off you know hanging on the on the center backs back shoulder but that's we'll see we'll see it'll play out uh so that was my boo cheer my belter or my boo and cheer my belter is for brian reynolds uh last game or two games ago can't even remember but his volleyed moon rocket first time we've had a belter in weeks on on the twitter account and uh yeah Happy Fourth of July, America! Let's go. <laughs> I've got I've got no belters. Uh, I have not been tuning into very many matches. So no, the yes, it, there hasn't I, been a lot to choose from anyway. No, that's why I didn't throw out the fact that uh, Modric uh, from uh, Chelsea has been cooking in the U twenty one like Europa tournament uh, or U twenty. I can't remember U twenty or U twenty one. I want to say U twenty one. Um, but yeah, he's been cooking in it, but I didn't even bring that up because I knew you haven't been watching uh, any of those games. So, um, one one transfer that you forgot to mention, and I'll give you a second here to uh, to to contemplate and think about it. It's not a Premier League transfer; it's outside of the Prem. 
and it is probably the the professional footballer nearest and dearest to your heart. Jan Vertonghen. Timu Puki. Oh, I forgot about Timu. Yes, yes. I'm actually going to Minnesota. Actually, I have two things. I'm going to Minnesota on Wednesday or Thursday. One of the two. I don't know. Are you just going to paint the town yellow and lime green? That was the plan. Yeah, I... I'm waiting for them to go on clearance. They're still not really discounted on the the team shop, but I'm thinking about getting a Pookie jersey. Never Got know. to. Got Dude, to. That was some five-inch inseam cut uh, board shorts. Yep. I'm ready yep. for summer with the team of Pookie. Yeah. Uh, are you are you thinking about going to any games? Absolutely. I, I absolutely think we should. I'm going to follow you around with a camera as you try to get as close as possible to Tuki. And if you, if you touch his shoulder, not in – a like douchebag fan way where you're like invading the pitch or like causing a scene, but in like a graceful and peaceful, no and wel- more, and more welcomed way, more more in a in a consensual way, more in a hey my podcast partner's cousin's husband's friend knows you, kind way, of yeah saw you at a wedding, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah if it's a consensual shoulder tap where he turns around and he greets you with a smile, mm-hmm. um. We'll just have that pinned on the, yeah. on the on the Twitter page. Oh, dude! Speaking of all of this, uh, so the same kid I was telling you about, uh, the family member that uh, was deciding on what team he wanted to follow in the Premier League, he was talking about a game coming up, and it was Chelsea Dortmund playing in Chicago. Had a few beers that night. We bought tickets, so we're, we're going. Uh, we're and we're taking him as well. And I'm like, I was just in the back of my head. I'm like, dude, if you become a Chelsea supporter after all this, I'm going to be so pissed. Though, <laughs> just say it. But it might, it might be a good time to become a Chelsea fan. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe the Burnett brothers are ready for this. I don't know. Like, we'll yeah, see. we're gonna have to get them back on the pod. See what they think before uh, before the season kicks off. Maybe a yeah. little preseason. Maybe episode. I, I don't think there's much of a preseason though. It seems like everything's kind of coming to the forefront pretty quickly with all the yeah. preseason tournaments and shit that they're doing. Like right. Everton, I think is playing against Timu Puki. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's all, it's all coming to the forefront. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at an hour and two minutes. We thought this was going to be a quick breezy transfer update episode. And here we are, of course, an hour later. So mm. um, any closing notes, Tobes? Not a one. Not a one. No, not a one. That's all I got. Cheers. Cheers.